May 23, 1985, the night that changed my life forever. As I got into my 1974 Baby Blue Mustang II, my mind raced with thoughts. Was it already too late? Was she still alive? Where was she that night again? The one thing I remembered for sure that was etched in my memory was that Tony Mason drove a 1982 metallic gold Camaro. I would know it anywhere. He always drove that car, and it was the same car he drove Sarah in that night. My father chased me down the driveway as I backed out, and I rolled up the window. I gotta go, Dad. I'll be back. He nodded in agreement. I knew he could tell by the look on my face it was important. And it was. I reached for my cell phone to see what time it was and call her. But then I realized it was 1985. Damn it all to hell. There are no cell phones. Okay. Don't panic. Don't get distracted. Stay focused. I looked for my watch and realized I never wore one in 1985. And my car didn't have a clock either. It's okay. I don't know what time it is, and I don't know where they are. But I do know I have the right date. Think. Think. Where did they go that night? Got it! I made a beeline to the Berlin Turnpike and headed for the McDonald's parking lot. Tony Mason was the guy responsible for ruining my life. I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, I could see that now. This was my chance to change that. Was that why I was here? As soon as I pulled into the McDonald's parking lot, I could see it. That stupid, ridiculous, overblown metallic gold Camaro. I parked in a space on the other side of the lot, jumped out of my car, and walked in that direction. The windows were rolled down, and the T-tops were off, so I could see Sarah's long, dark hair blowing in the warm night breeze as I approached. There was just enough of a light shining not from the moon, but from the parking lot lights, that I could see her face and that cocoa-colored skin of hers from a distance as she turned her head. It was really her in the flesh, after all these years. For a moment, I froze inside. I didn't know what to do. Luckily, my legs kept moving because time was of the essence. Inside, I blanked out for a moment. What was I going to say? I charged on, throwing reason out the window. I'll know what to say when I get there. Or at least, that's what I told myself. I approached from the passenger side. She turned and saw me as I walked up to the door. She shot me a look with those beautiful dark eyes of hers. Jim, what are you doing here? I glanced to the driver's side and saw Tony wasn't there. I need you to come with me now. What? Come with me if you want to live. It was a line from the Terminator movie, and it was all I could think of at the time. It seemed to fit the occasion. What? What are you talking about? Look, I really don't have time to explain right now. I need you to come with me, and I mean now. I tried to be as forceful as I could, but she looked at me as if I was crazy. Look, Jim, I don't know what you're doing here, but you need to leave now. Okay? I looked into the car and could see all the beer cans and the look on her face. She looked afraid. Was she afraid that night? 
Did she want to get away from him but couldn't? Now I knew what I had to do. My whole attitude changed, and I was ready for whatever happened at that point. And it's a good thing, because that was exactly when I needed to be ready. Hey, what's up, Jim? What are you doing here? I could hear Tony's voice as he approached the car from behind me. I came for Sarah, I said, turning my head to see him as he walked up to the car from the other side. Is that what you want? He said to Sarah, who didn't respond. We're on our way to buy some pot. If you got money, you can come with us. Tony always had a friendly demeanor. He never bullied on the surface, but he always had an agenda. And I knew what his was tonight. 